Good morning, everyone, and welcome to a very special edition of our Coffee with Innovate Finance podcast series. I am so excited to be here with our guest today, Rosemary Stone. Rosemary was appointed Chief Business Development Officer at SWIFT in May 2021 with responsibility for business development and communications. Previously, Rosemary was SWIFT's Chief Corporate Officer, and prior to that, she was Global Head of Human Resources, Managing Director for the UK, Ireland, and Nordics, and she held senior senior management positions with SWIFT in the UK, US, and Belgium. Earlier in her career, Rosemary held senior roles in corporate and marketing communications and public affairs in both London and Brussels, and across a number of business sectors. Rosemary has a master's degree from King's College London. Now, as most of you will be aware, SWIFT is a global member-owned cooperative and the world's leading provider of secure financial messaging services. SWIFT provides its community with a platform for messaging, standards for communicating, and products and services to facilitate access and integration, identification, analysis, and financial crime compliance. The messaging platform, products, and services connect more than 11,000 banking and securities organizations, market infrastructures, and corporate customers in more than 200 countries and territories, enabling them to communicate securely and exchange standardized financial messages in a reliable way. SWIFT facilitates global and local financial flows, supports trade and commerce all around the world. Headquartered in Belgium, SWIFT's international governance and oversight reinforces the neutral, global character of its cooperative structure. SWIFT's global office network ensures an active presence in all the major financial centers. So Rosemary, it is fantastic to have you here with us today on this special edition of our podcast, where we are going to look at diversity and women in fintech in particular. And I don't know if you recall, but it was about maybe two and a half years ago or so in the midst of the COVID pandemic, we had a special, I think it was the International Women's Day panel that I had the pleasure of moderating and you were on it. And I just remember hearing your story then was so inspiring uh, just to hear how you really uh, have have come and built and climbed up the career ladder to where you are today. So delighted to have you with us today. Oh, thank you so much, Janina. It's great to reconnect and thank you very much for inviting me back. So Rosemary, let's kick off by focusing first on your career growth and really your early experience. I'd love if you could walk us through your career. You've worked in so many different areas at SWIFT, so from HR and public affairs to chief corporate officer to now your chief business development officer, uh, incorporating business development and communications. And this is such a breadth of roles. Tell us a bit about how that experience was. Yeah, absolutely. So as you referred to, actually, I I started off uh, my career in the UK um, and I was more on the political side. So I started out actually working in the House of Commons and the House of Lords here in in the UK in political research. And then I moved into the kind of uh, uh, private sector consulting uh, side of public affairs. Um, And as the EU was enlarging, sort of took my first step into uh, the big complexities of Brussels, um, working on a lot of kind of public affairs uh, with the EU institutions, as well as obviously the UK political stakeholders. So that's what kind of took me to Brussels in the first place. Um, but over the years, I then started to specialise more in um, the communication side and particularly working in-house in some corporate communication roles and really focusing on reputation management. At that time, I worked uh, in the Netherlands as well as Brussels and then finally landed at Swift uh, in Brussels uh, actually a decade ago now. 
And Swift was actually my first venture into the world of finance and technology. Prior to that, I'd been working with companies in the food industry and pharmaceuticals. And when I made the switch, one of the kind of biggest questions I had on my mind was whether I would enjoy it or if I'd find it sort of a bit boring and a bit unrelatable. But this was definitely a step, you know, as I look back in hindsight, that took me to the right place at the right time. Because we've seen just such an explosion over the last decades, obviously in the fintech space, as, as you're well aware, um, with all the digitalization, the changing customer behaviors, et cetera, I just haven't regretted it at all. And as I look ahead, you know, as we've got the future and the future paradigm shift of AI and lots of other technology change ahead of us, I think the next decade looks really, really exciting too. And in my decade at Swift so far, I mean, it's really been a great company to work for. And now, obviously, it's uh, fantastic to be uh, part of the leadership team. Um, but I've been able to grow enormously through role rotation, which is actually one of the hallmarks of the organisational culture, um, which not only I've benefited from, but, but many other colleagues uh, along the way as well. Um, so I entered into Swift in the area of, uh, of communications, which was indeed my background. Um, I then moved over into the marketing function um, and had the opportunity to transition into the business side to work on client relationships, first of all in the UK, um, and also actually for a period of time uh, working with the management team in New York as well. Um, and after that, I got a tap on the shoulder from then CEO Godfrey Lybrand, um, asking me to um, head up our HR function, which for me was a real departure from kind of the path that I'd been following um, up to that point. Um, but I saw it as a great opportunity to see the business from a different vantage point and to um, gain a different different kind of uh, set of uh, experiences uh, along my professional journey. Um, so that's subsequently built into the chief corporate officer role and then um, most recently into the role that I'm doing today, which is combining client relationship leadership together with uh, corporate communications again. So it's kind of brought me back full circle in a way um, to, to kind of uh, tie up the experience that I've had so far. It's fantastic, Rosemary. And it's such a unique experience going uh, between different roles. And I love what you said about the role movement and having those opportunities. And I also share your excitement uh, for this sector right now. Curious, from your experience, what do you feel are the particular skills that you feel have helped you get to where you are today? Yeah, I mean, reflecting on this, I think, well, obviously, given my path, communications has been a sort of fundamental foundation to my skill set, I'd say. And actually, I think it's a discipline um, that's, you know, very transferable across a lot of different leadership uh, roles. Um, and it also kind of helps you have a very broad understanding of the companies in, in which you're operating and not just the companies, but also the external view in terms of how uh, stakeholders perceive an organisation um, and its evolution. So I'd say that's definitely kind of um, part of my core DNA uh, that's been certainly really, really an asset along the way. Um, the other area I'd maybe point to is I'm very, very focused on building teams and um, creating kind of collaborative leadership culture through all of my kind of team leadership roles that I've done along the way. Um, I'm quite good, actually, on the whole. I mean, we're all human, but on the whole, um, 
I do consciously try to part my own ego and, you know, figure out which kind of parts of the job I'm good at and which parts actually other people are better than me um, and build a team accordingly so that we get the strengths uh, to obviously make an impact. Um, so I like really listening, um, having great collaboration with colleagues. Um, so I see it sort of as a role of kind of like conducting an orchestra of the talented people around me um, to make to make great music. And it honestly gives me great satisfaction to see high performing and very collaborative teams kind of getting energy from one another. So I'd say team building is another um, kind of um, set of skills that I've kind of learned and built along the way that uh, have held me in good stead. Fantastic. And I'd love in a few minutes to dive deeper into this sense of team building and the importance of culture as well. But just before we do that, looking back across um, your years in the business space, you mentioned getting tapped on the shoulder uh, for a role that you potentially hadn't expected. What are some of the other key milestones in your career that you can point to? Yeah, I think another one for me would have been crossing over from communications initially into uh, more of a business role. Um, and that's what I did when I, I moved into client relationship work in, in the UK. And that was actually a huge and steep learning curve uh, for me. Um, and it took me out of what is, you know, communications is obviously kind of seen as a characteristically female domain um, into a place where I definitely felt a bit more of a minority um, in engaging on on some of the business topics with uh, with some of the world's uh, global banks, obviously. Um, and I was very out of comfort zone in the beginning um, because I had a very, very steep learning curve ahead of me. And I'd say at that point, the allyship was absolutely key, um, particularly of my, um, my colleagues in the team, including my male colleagues. Um, and I was very fortunate at that time to be in part of a really, really great management team that kind of had my back and allowed me to learn, allowed me to make a few mistakes and achieve that growth. Um, so yeah, it's kind of, you need to be kind of set up for success as well. And you've had such a diverse career spanning so many countries and cities. What has it been like to have that international career with such a diverse range of roles? Well, the chance to have an international career has definitely been incredible, particularly when I had the opportunity, like I said, to work in our New York office. I mean, sometimes I'd literally be pinching myself on the way to work that this was really my office. Um, but seriously, I mean, Swift as a whole is really a great setup uh, in terms of its global global nature. So we're really kind of a small global company so we're actually just less than 4,000 people worldwide, but we cover more than 220 countries from a business perspective. So it's very human scale and relationships really matter with your colleagues. Um, so the kind of ethnic and cultural diversity across our offices is really a huge strength. And it's something people who join our organisation very often comment on. Um, the team I'm running today, business development, it's hugely diverse because we're really covering client relationships on the ground all around the world so it's uniting colleagues from Asia from India Africa Europe US Latin America you name it um, so it's really really special from a kind of um, work dynamic perspective but I also feel like it's a huge strength to SWIFT because it enables us to really um, go on the ground in partnership with our clients understand the specific challenges they face in their businesses so that we can hopefully serve them better and then looking at your time both at Swiss, at Swift and before, 
what do you feel has been critical for your growth and success over the years in your career? Yeah, on that one, I'd say, yeah, curiosity to learn has been absolutely essential, like keeping an open mind, being willing to go outside of my comfort zone, um, being flexible, I think, and maybe it's a bit of a cliche, but sort of feeling the fear, but doing it anyway. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, I'm, I'm sort of, uh, yeah, I have to say, but you need people to kind of support you and create that kind of environment as well so I would sort of say both Javier our current CEO and, and Godfrey before him were great coaches and always had the attitude of kind of setting up teams for success and creating a trusted environment in which you can kind of feel safe to take career risks um, but often I've also had to challenge my own limiting beliefs and sort of rather than kind of build the mountain of all the things that could go wrong think about what's actually the worst that could happen if I give this a shot and really kind of flip it on its head. And usually that's been enough to sort of propel me to take the plunge. Rosemary, one of the reasons I really find you to be such an inspiration is that you always talk, uh, and I know take action about putting people first. And you mentioned it now when you were discussing the importance of team building as well. Now, I know in one of your prior roles at Swift as global head of HR, you had a strategic role in really enabling that positive change with regards to more inclusion in general, and specifically for women. I'd love to dive a bit deeper into this part of your career and hear from you about what your goals were at that point and what did you really want to achieve when you started that role? Yeah, sure. That was certainly an interesting period in my in my career so far, um, and I, as I said, great to see the business from a completely different vantage point. And actually, that's where you can really go deep into how people can be that kind of critical enabler for a company's strategy and to achieve its goals. And moving from the from the business side into HR, actually, you sort of realise sometimes there's a perception on HR departments um, that are kind of downplayed a bit as a function. And my goal coming from the business side was actually to sort of bridge the gap as much as possible and sort of line the function with our business ambitions and the transformations that we obviously needed uh, to get there. So we had some big transformation projects happening at that time. Um, the company, for example, was um, undertaking an agile transformation for all of our product delivery as well as for our platform technology and our tooling. And that was actually a kind of huge culture change for the organisation at the time and really something great to work on. Um, we also had big uh, challenges and opportunities on the talent acquisition uh, side. Um, it, it's no news to you, of course, that uh, the kind of war for talent in, in the fintech space is huge. Um, and it's really important to kind of strengthen our employer brand uh, to be able to have the right impact and be able to attract uh, uh, great talent into the organization um, and increasingly diverse talent into the organization, uh, as you say. And on maybe on the DEI side, when I inherited HR, we had you know very passionate individuals within the organization and, and some big ideas, but we didn't necessarily have the internal setup to support us in moving forward. Um, in a very in a more formalized way so putting that in place was absolutely key and that enabled us to get some really great initiatives off the ground like we run the star program at cybos which is actually a professional development 
um, programme at the Cybos event for mid-career women from across the financial industry. So not only from SWIFT, but right from uh, across the board, which has obviously helped women to build their networks, um, as well as gain exposure to some great thought leadership and, and the latest industry trends. Um, and like you say, representation of women was certainly a main area of focus for us at the time. Um, but I'm really pleased to see how that's actually been built out um, over recent years to uh, make sure that we're also uh, addressing other axes of diversity, particularly areas such as disability, race and ethnicity and LGBTQ, um, creating much more dialogue across the company. Um, and now we actually have employee groups in all of these areas that are helping us to progress as an organisation. You've mentioned some really key accomplishments uh, during your time as global head of HR there. And were there any difficulties that you faced during your period as, as global head of HR and how did you overcome them? Yeah, I mean, I think internal support and buy-in is absolutely critical for everything that you want to achieve. And that's certainly a process. Um, and at Swift, we're kind of a cooperative, as you know, and um, stakeholdering is sort of inherent in our culture. So um, taking the time up front to kind of get alignment can sometimes, you know, take time, be a little bit frustrating along the way. But once we get our teams aligned, we can really then go ahead and execute. So building relationships early has been very important to that because as, as sort of you grow and your ambitions grow, those around you are as well. Um, so, you know, getting those uh, connections within the organisation, um, getting that alignment, those are probably the key areas, I would say, that we've had to focus on to get there. And what are you most proud of from this phase of your career? I think I'm certainly very, very proud of what we managed to achieve uh, from the agile perspective, because this was, you know, a huge change management process, not, not only HR, by the way, but the product organisation as well. Um, at Swift, we tend to have uh, quite long tenure staff. So this was quite a fundamental shift, but we really wanted to bring the whole organisation along with us. It wasn't about kind of leaving our core in a corner and going agile in new areas only. Um, nor was it about kind of firing swathes of people and kind of starting again. What we really wanted to do was transition the full organisation. And we're still on that journey now, but today to see our even our core messaging services are now operating in Agile probably would have been unheard of for critical infrastructures like Swift a decade ago. And actually the fact that we've been able to execute fast now on our instant frictionless journey for cross-border payments and deliver things like our new transaction management capabilities and new services and low value payments, et cetera. It's actually down to that foundation of agile tribes now working, you know, in a smarter, faster, more customer centric and collaborative way. Um, so I really think that made a, made a critical change for the organization um, that now holds in good stead going forwards. Fantastic. And, and now let's look a little bit uh, deeper at this angle of diversity and women in fintech, which I know you're very, very passionate about. I mean, women in fintech today, as we know, are really paving the way for others. And often they're initiating changes themselves to increase diversity and, and inclusion. But the whole conversation is much, much broader. How do you involve men in this ongoing dialogue as well? 
Yeah, I, I think this is really, really important. You raise you raise a great point um, because sometimes I think it's the underrepresented groups who are kind of seen as having to shoulder the responsibility in an organisation for creating a more inclusive culture. But I definitely don't subscribe to that. I really see it as a shared responsibility. Um, and, you know, it's a mixed picture also. In some areas we can be underrepresented but also have privilege and that's certainly the case in uh, for me as well as, as a leader at the top of the organization um, so allyship is really critical um, and men in, in the case of gender have to be part of the conversation I mean the reality is men are very often still in positions of power they're taking the hiring decisions in an organization um, and they have a great kind of stake to play in taking bets on people as they develop uh, talent through the organisation and indeed from a cultural perspective creating that psychological safety in teams for uh, everybody to thrive. So I really think if we're going to progress all leaders need to work on this. I absolutely agree and everyone has to be moving in the same direction for us to see the real change that needs to happen. I mean in your opinion what are the small steps or almost the micro changes that we all can implement from now to keep momentum going in this area of work? Yeah, I think these these micro changes are actually hugely important. This is what kind of makes or breaks a culture at the end of the day. And in fact, I was talking to our head of DEI just the other day um, because we have a company KPI, which is to make sure that everyone takes unconscious bias training, which is actually a great foundation. And I'm very proud that we're doing that. Um, but we also have to be careful that people don't feel like because they've done one hour of training that they're somehow cleared of bias and then we just kind of get back to business as usual. It really has to be in the kind of small micro changes that in the moment feedback um, and the practical efforts to sort of step back from, you know, everyone's own default behaviours sometimes to just reflect uh, on, on these types of areas going forward. Um, so I think that's really important. It's also about, you know, observing what's happening in the day to day in the organization and uh, also creating that kind of um, climate in which people feel absolutely encouraged and safe to share their feedback and raise their feelings um, to help the whole organization to progress. So now in terms of your own career, how do you manage to find balance? So the all important question. So how do you manage competing priorities, be it family, work, hobbies, personal development, etc.? Yeah, so balance, I think it's the holy grail, let's say. Um, <laughs> but I've certainly yeah, reflected a lot on it um, in my own life and certainly coming out of the pandemic period where our sort of patterns of work have been changing a lot. Um, I have three daughters as well, three of them teenagers at the moment. Um, wow. So, yeah, making time for their emotional needs definitely also has to come to the fore. Um, and in the early part of my career, there were a huge amount of trade-offs. There were sacrifices to family life uh, with a heavy travel schedule, for example. Um, you know, and it can be very demanding having sort of high levels of responsibility at work and at home. Um, which weren't always easy, certainly for me or for my partner and kids. Um, and living in Brussels, I was also sort of living away from family networks. So that becomes all the more important. Um, having a supportive partner has absolutely been essential for me to be able to kind of develop my career at the, the kind of pace that, that I have. Um, but at the same time, I think 
you know, my career has also been a huge positive in so many ways because um, it's obviously professionally for me, um, it's been a really enriching journey, um, but it's also created a lot of security and opportunity for the family, um, which which is important. And there's a the role modelling aspect with three daughters um, now starting to think about their next steps in life. Um, there is a role modelling component that shows that, uh, you know, um, these types of careers in areas like finance and technology are really viable choices for, for women in the future. Um, so I think that's uh, that's that's definitely been been a challenge. Uh, at the same time, I've seen really great progress in flexible working policies. Um, I certainly take advantage of that at SWIFT. Uh, we've had that in place. We had it in place before the pandemic, um, and obviously. Um, it's really become embedded uh, in the post-pandemic period. Um, and I do try to focus quite a bit now on, you know, making sure I have a bit of morning and evening routine where I'm going off tech a bit, uh, doing a bit of meditation, that kind of thing. Because if I build that into my routine, I find it very, very protective against stress or overwhelm. Um, and I think it helps how you show up at work and in your family too. And I think maybe the next generation of women are probably more attuned to ways to kind of support their own self-care, which I think is hugely positive. Because while the demands of work are probably not going to change, you can definitely sort of change your mindset and your inner approach to it. But at the same time, you know, I think, you know, several years down the line, I'm definitely more cognizant of the fact there's only a certain number of hours in the day. And it's also about setting realistic expectations I think sometimes in the past, I literally set myself mission impossible expectations, trying to do it all. And that's honestly a myth. And we have to pick our battles and uh, decide what we can do and what we need to delegate. It's so true. And I also love what you were saying there about setting an example for your daughters as well. And looking to this next generation of women, I know we have a lot of listeners um, joining us that are looking at their future steps as well. What piece of advice would you give to those other women that are looking to develop their careers? Yeah, absolutely. Well, I think, you know, everyone talks about career goals and um, that's definitely important. But I think even bigger is to think about your life goals and how your career can play a part in that. Um, because kind of knowing yourself and what you really want, I think is essential to driving your choices and the direction ahead of you. Because whatever path you choose, it's gonna be quite hard, you know? There's challenges, whether you're kind of an entrepreneur in the FinTech space, uh, or if you're working for a big company, um, you know, this is gonna take a considerable amount of time, effort and energy from you. So you really need to be aligned with um, what fits into your life, what you really want. Um, and how that's how you're going to go after those goals as well, of course. And it changes over time. So I think it's also about um, keeping checking in with yourself in terms of what you really want. And, uh, you know, no path is linear these days, um, which creates great opportunity. Um, but staying in alignment with uh, your, your true self and what you feel, where you feel your talents lie and where you feel you want to make an impact, I think, is really important. But then once you have set your direction, I'd say um, it's important to kind of get over your limiting beliefs and recognise that everyone has them. We all have them. I certainly have. And, you know, like I say, I've rotated a lot. And at the start of every rotation, 
you can kind of talk yourself into it and talk yourself out of it. Um, but I think it's also about trusting in the power of the team and collaborating with others around you, like I say, to uh, to make, make the best impact. And then obviously the cliche about building networks is really important and uh, some great work out there. Um, particularly in, in the diversity fields about finding your tribe uh, to help, you know, on your career journey. And I think that's really great advice. Um, but networking is much more than just going to drinks receptions, you know, that side of it exists, but it's really, it doesn't have to be like that. It doesn't have to be at the golf club. It you know, we can do this in a different way. Um, but I think it's really about, um, getting together, getting business minds together, trying things out together, projects and challenges and putting yourself out there into the unknown. And I'm sure many folks on this call in this sort of entrepreneurial side of fintech are definitely already doing that. Um, but I think it's really important and great to keep going because that's actually how your career personally and our industry as a whole is going to keep moving forward. I love it, Rosemary. And those are great words to live by and also to end our podcast on. So thank you so much for taking the time to share your story with us and your learnings and some excellent advice with the listeners today. It was fantastic to have you on our episode. And thank you, listeners, for joining in. Please do visit our website at www.innovatefinance.com for more podcasts. And we'll see you next time.